Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Friday Round table show at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. We've had already a good discussion, but unfortunately it wasn't about WordPress. It's been about cats, dentistry, and just the world in general. But that's not unusual for this show, really. But we're going to go back onto topic, our beloved WordPress. And I've got a great panel. They've been putting up with my dental woe stories quite well. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to let Kim introduce herself before she dies. She's not well, <laughs> folks. So, Kim, can you introduce yourself? Thank you, Jonathan. I'm Kim Shivler. You can find me at kimshivler.com. And yes, I will probably be out most of today playing in the Facebook group because I'm coming off of a cold and I still have a really bad cough. So yeah. find me at KimShivler.com or on Twitter at KimShivler. Thanks. It's been a way of disaster, really. Hurricanes, your cats attacking you, your colds. <laughs> I know. You know, it's, you could write a novel, couldn't you, really, Kim, for the past couple of months? A cat's actually decided to attack a pre-show, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe a soap opera. Not sure a novel, but maybe a yes, soap opera. Yes. Um, on to the... Oh, oh uh, God, you know... The WordPress soap opera. Can you just see it? <laughs> God. Um, on to our next um, great panelist, Sally. Would you like to introduce yourself? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch. I am the WP Fangirl. Uh, and I've actually been posting on my blog at WPFangirl.com quite a bit lately. So you can go over there and read it. And I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. Our next meeting is on the third Sunday of this month, and it's about the WordPress REST API. Great. And Adam, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Adam Fowd. I'm the content writer over at Blue Steel Solutions. Our website is bluesteelsolutions.com. Our Twitter handle is bluesteeltx, and there's an extra E in that steel. Yeah, that's the thing with that. There's it's actually, like Remington steel. That's how Yeah, it. it's so confusing. Trust me. You'll mess it up at least once. And yeah. um, my website is, my personal website's adamfout.com. And um, I'll actually be speaking at DFW WordCamp on content marketing here in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's great. Great. And um, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name's Chris Badgett. I'm obsessed with online courses and membership sites. I have a plugin called Lifter LMS for creating, selling, and protecting courses. And I'm super stoked to be here today. And Chris has decided for amazing reasons to be a, a, a regular member of our WordPress panel. Right. And he's most welcome. I, I think that's called masochism. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, was, I, was, I just couldn't kind of pronounce it. So... Uh, uh, um, so on, on to the news stories, on to our news stories. And I'm going to start with um, who came on the show on Wednesday, actually, um, for an interview which I greatly in, enjoyed, and that's Scott Banninger. And he did um, a great story on post-status, and the title is The WordPress Product Market is completely different now and um he put some good points does anybody um want to start off the conversation about this particular piece well i you know i noticed this when it came out um partly because i'd read a couple of other articles you know on the same kind of a, a, a topic and it's you know it's it's interesting because in some areas it does seem like you know there's there's somebody who's really dominant and he talks about, you know, WooCommerce in the, you know, in, in e-commerce that, you know, to the point where, you know, iTheme sold off its competing product and, and now has a, you know, statistics for, for WooCommerce plug-in out. Um, and yet in some areas, uh, it does seem like, uh, you know, you think it ought to be saturated by now and it's not. I mean, how many different commercial form plugins have we seen that all seem to be doing all right? Uh, you know, I don't know if any of them is going to have total dominance, but there are lots and lots of users of, of all of these 
different options. So, yeah, I think what you see always is that, you know, an industry starts to mature and you see a smaller number of, of players in it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we saw this with computer hardware. We saw, you know, we, you see it with every, you see it with every new technology. I don't think we're going to end up in a place where, you know, we have like, you know, two, two, two options, right? It's like, okay, yeah, well, you have Microsoft and you have, and I don't think we're going to get there with WordPress, but I also think that, you know, it's not going to be easy unless you are creating something uh, really new that, that nobody else has done yet, but that you can see an established need for, uh, you're going to have more trouble. I thought that was really fantastically put, actually, Sally. I think it's a very confused scenario. I I do agree with Scott's premise that it's probably getting harder for a very generalistic product. Is there a word, generalistic? I'm not sure about that, actually. Oh, well, never mind. Never stopped me making a word, did it? Uh, um, So, um, but I think you probably, if you're a small player, you'd be better off to initify Another word I'm probably making. I'm doing well, aren't I? And, uh, um, You're highly creative this morning. I am. It's all the all the drugs I've been taking going to the dentist. <laughs> God Almighty, they pumped me up yesterday. Um, what, what do um, Chris? What do you think about this? I think it's a very polarizing article, and uh, there is some good points in it. I, I do think the reality is a little more nuanced. So, in counterpoint to the article article uh recently wp forms came into a very saturated market and really started to build a lot of momentum on its own uh even in our story we came into the wordpress lms space when there was already a, a, another established company a couple of them a couple of them yeah learned I, I remember we did a meetup about them like right before lifter came out yeah. and and that's a, you know it's probably time to do it again and and talk a little bit about lifter especially since i just built a store with it <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean we uh that was we started about three years ago so it's not in today's world but um i think it might be harder than it once was but if you have a um a vision for a, a project or a business outcome that you can solve with technology there's still, you can still do it. Uh, there just may be more competition, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it drives innovation. Um, but in terms of like being a first mover advantage in the early days kind of thing, that, that advantage is clearly wearing off. But there's, there's still always opportunity for new markets and new things to come online. But some of the major dominant you know, needs for websites have, are pretty established. But um, you know, even in a saturated market like page builders, uh, I don't know how old various page builders are, but they're constantly changing and who's in the lead and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, you can still innovate through that. It's just going to be more challenging. But I think you can also do that as a solopreneur or with a small team. You don't necessarily have to have a 30 20 person company to have a fighting chance mm-hmm. yeah there were some parts before i go on to adam there were some parts that i agreed with like i think you put it perfectly there didn't you you know um i also think that there were really strong technical barriers you know there was you know making making a good plug-in now there's a lot more information out there advice on the business side there's a lot more advice so the technical business barriers are slightly less, but I think the marketing barriers, it, there's so much stuff out there, and it's probably linked to our main discussion topic. Um, I don't know if I'm just waffling. What do you think, Adam? <laughs> You're probably waffling. Yeah, uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs> just assume that as a baseline. Um, no, I think that... Um, especially in a, in an ecosystem like WordPress here, it's going to be impossible for someone to become completely dominant. Even if automatic comes out and said, this is the plugin for us, there'll still be plenty of competition. Um, And like you said, as long as someone can come up with, uh, you know, a niche use for a a plugin, they're going to get people who, I mean, they're going to be just people who randomly find a plugin that does what they're looking for and have no idea that the bigger plugins exist while they're searching through the, you know, through and, and 
we'll just never use the big one and have no idea for years. And then I uh, built a website. Oh, I didn't know. So I, I really don't think there's a way to, for someone to become a true monopoly. I think that's also a great point. The panel's doing really well so far, <laughs> much better than me. Because, you know, um, there's plugins that come up to my, on my radar and they're really good. I've never even heard of them. <laughs> uh, um, and I thought, you know, I'm not listening to podcasts all the time, but I'm more in the WordPress community than the average consumer, probably. Um, but I, I come across stuff that I never even heard of. And if it's not, it's totally feature rich. You know, it's obviously the company, it's a commercial plugin, you know, and I've never even heard of it. So there we go. All right, I think we go on to the next story because I'm waffling and I, so, you know, which is not not surprising to the panel or to you, the <laughs> listener, isn't it? Uh, um, so on to the next one. Using testing Gettysburg, Gunnenberg, whatever it's called, uh, um, from Yoast, from the team from Yoast. Anybody want to start with that? I'm always in favor of uh, user testing. And, and because, you know, there's been some stuff posted on Yoast already about, uh, you know, alternative visions for Gutenberg and, oh, how can we, they, they did a, an interesting post about, you know, how they could sort of envision integrating Yoast into the, you know, Gutenberg <coughs> editor, because of course, Metaboxes are a big issue. Uh, and Yoast is a very popular plugin that uses Metaboxes. So I think it's great that they uh, wrote this article and that they came up with, you know, they said, here are the problems we encountered and here uh, <clears throat> are some solutions that we might suggest. And they put all those on GitHub where they're supposed to be so the team knows about them. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really, really detailed. And I think it provides a nice example of, you know, what it's a good idea to do. And I think certainly if you are a plugin developer, uh, you do need to be testing Gutenberg and thinking about, well, how are you, you know, how are you going to integrate into this? And, you know, is there something you encounter where you can think of a way that, you know, something that, that the Gutenberg team might be able to modify to make your life easier? Oh, that was much too sensible, Sally. I, I thought it was fantastic, but it's for this show, it's just too much sensible. Um, we've got Lee Jackson joining us. Uh, he's a little bit late, but um, I didn't recognise you in all that face fur. No, he's it's it's like a hamster now. It's just growing every week, isn't it? You know, I actually uh, charge for people to touch it now. You need to <laughs> you need to put your mic up, yeah, you're, Lee. Your you're you're, you're quiet, a bit low right? on your sound. Make it will come back with a remark um what did you think of the article chris i didn't get into Yost's article but um what i, I, what? I, I do appreciate uh you know the value of user testing and it, it makes me realize we need to get into it more with lifter and um you know see how that's going to play out in relation to our plugin but I think that's it's also great that some of the really well established companies with big teams like yoast can kind of lead the charge in, in user testing. I think that's a, there's so much like complaining and fear in the market that to, you know, really roll up your sleeves and get in and offer constructive criticism. I, I'm, I'm just happy to see it happening. Yeah. Obviously our, 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 our regular Morton, our regular panelists would have said there should have been some unit testing a little bit earlier, but never <laughs> mind. I can see where you, that was a fantastic. And what did, um, Adam, think about this. I don't know. I mean, I feel like... You don't care, <laughs> do you, Adam? Do you really? I, you just... I think WordPress has been one giant user test from the beginning. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. You know, I, I think it's great. Obviously, we need more. I think the... I, I was glad that Yoast did it. Um, it's good to see the community come out and say, you know, and not just passively accept something like this and say, we're going to test it out and see if we can influence it. So, And they had a lot of great suggestions in... They generally do. So I, I feel confident that, you know, just like with our current editor, it, it'll be goofy in some respects and useful in others. And, and, you know, people will get used to it and have fun complaining about it. 
Well, I think they forget, you know, the pur- I think the purpose of WordPress.org is to test things before they go on WordPress.com, mm. aren't they, really? Mm. And people tend to forget that. It's like, well, like- you know, sometimes I think it happens the other way around. They, they <laughs> launch something on WordPress.com first and then roll it out because, you know, that's such a nice large body of, <clears throat> of users to test things on and they have much more access to the information than they do from all of us .org users. It's kind of, yeah, I suppose you're right there. Um, it's kind of, it's just, a, it's just a mess, really, isn't it, Sandy? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, anyway, it's the Wild West, isn't it? That's, that's really, what did you think about this, Lee? You look very stern there. Can you hear me now, guys? Yes. yes. Oh, excellent, excellent. It's a new microphone. What did I think? Well, um, I actually wasn't planning on being on the panel today uh, because we had uh, other appointments. So I've, I've literally jumped in to talk about content as soon as that happens. I've not read the articles, though. So All right, well, fair enough. I am so, the worst person to ask right now. Yeah, you need to play with your mic <laughs> as well. It's, it's, never it's stops better, anyone but from sharing opinions on this show. It's not. It's not really. Um, it's got not got the full baritone. <laughs> oh God, don't do that, Lee. Please, you just blew our ear. I'm going to mute him if he's just lost like a hundred. Uh, um, on to the next story. He's just he's just deafened most of the audience anyway. Uh, um, so. On to, the, on to another, the last story before we get on to the main topic. Um, GDPR for WordPress. Project seeks to provide a standard for plugin compliance. And I chose this story. I just want to, before the actual panel starts attacking me for choosing another crappy story, uh, um, I chose um, this because it's been linked to some of our other discussions around security about maybe a better system for checking over plugins. I know it's kind of linked, I felt. What did you think, Sally, about this one? So you're probably the only panelist that bothered to read these stories. <laughs> well, I, 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 I didn't read them in as much depth as I could have, but I, you know, I, I, I looked at this when it, it came out, and um, then there was an article from WPMU Dev headline, something like, you know, are you, you know, how to be... GDPR compliant. And, you know, my first thought is, what the hell is, is the GDPR when it's at home? Uh, and it's uh, basically privacy uh, data protection regulation in the EU yeah. uh, that, of course, nobody tells us about in America because, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, American news only cares about America. Well, the rest of the world doesn't really exist, does it? <sighs> <laughs> They'll fall in line eventually. Uh, yeah, <laughs> colonialism. We inherited it from the British. Um, well, you are you are the best place in the world to live, and you know the <laughs> bastion of liberty and freedom. God help us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so uh, you know, the thing is that if there is regulation coming out that affects us, and you know, the thing that. Uh, this takes me back to is when the, the can spam law came out, right? And suddenly everybody had to change the way they were doing email lists. And this was really a, a big thing to launch our um, uh, <clears throat> uh, launch our uh, email service providers, all the MailChimps and Constant Contacts and so on of the world, because then they could promise that you would be compliant as long as you, you know, provided them the information they needed about your address and the opt-out and all those things. And sort of like, well, okay, if there's regulation that's going to be affecting us, you know, not necessarily just if we live in Europe, but if we have any customers or, or clients there, then, um, surprise, uh, we should probably uh, <clears throat> actually... Uh, <clears throat> you know, figure out what to do about this because nobody wants to get in trouble for, you know, not complying with these things. And yes, it might be a bit difficult for uh, somebody in the EU to sue you across uh, national lines, but, uh, you know, it's important. And, you know, I think the issue of privacy and data protection is really an important one that we should all be paying attention to. I mean, whether or not somebody can sue you, you don't actually want to be responsible for somebody's personal information getting into hands that it shouldn't. Oh, I thought you did a fantastic job, but it wasn't precisely, 
I chose this for the wrong reasons, really. I just chose it as um, we've had some security problems with some plugins. I, I just think uh, I threw out there should be some kind of stamp of approval if you if you want to get it and pay a upfront fee to get the plugin checked over more extensively, and it would go into a special part of the of the um, this project. Well, I can't even talk now, but. Um, <laughs> But um, that's why I did it. I, I, does there any of the other panel re remark on this re re horrendous story that I chose? I, I've I... got some opinions. Go on, go on, Lee. Yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't this mainly driven by Europe? And does my vo does my voice sound better now? I had the no, microphone. It's a, it, it's a, it just hasn't got you. You sound a bit like a, a semi Dalek, actually, Lee. <laughs> really? A little bit. Not Shall too I just bad. jump out and back in, and, and I'll be I'll be I'll be in in a bit. Yeah, that'd be great. Go on, off you go. <laughs> yeah, well, he does. He sounded a bit rough, did he? Uh, um, he's got he's got a new toy, but you're supposed to practice with it, Lee. <laughs> uh, um, so I think I'm going to kill this story because um, Adam and Chris just look totally bored with it. So um, more security gonna... is always better. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's it. That's the uh, right. I'm I'm going. No, for the... I, I mean the standards idea. If that catches on in a wider way that's not a bad thing uh, and you know more consistency in general in the yeah. way plugins handle things would also be a good thing you know i i know that on the theme side there's like you know the theme check plugin and the you know guidelines fairly detailed guidelines for stuff you have to include and and you know how to how to structure stuff and the you know i think the more people follow those, the fewer conflicts you have, the, you know, the less trouble it is for users to have to try to figure out what is going wrong with my website. Well, I'm emboldened with my remarks, Sally, because um, Scott um, agreed. Well, he actually said, if you listen to my interview on Wednesday, he actually um, said some of the things that um, I've been saying. Um, so I'm emboldened, Sally. I'm just emboldened with my remarks. I'm going to continue with them because if Scott... So, so you're me, saying that this is going to be a new service that WP Tonic offers? Um, no, I haven't got... We, um, I've got a couple of employees of myself and I haven't got the bandwidth for what I'm doing now. So I don't <laughs> do anything else. Uh, um, but no, I just feel, you know, it would be great if, um, if there was a service where you if you're a theme or a plug-in producer and there was a written standards and you would have to pay a bit more money and it would be checked over by a Pacific team and you would get a, uh, a certificate or something you could put on your website or um, saying that you passed this. And uh, I just think it'd be a win-win for everybody, but there we go. But I'm emboldened because Scott agreed with that as well. So <laughs> I'm chucked. So we're going to go for our break folks and we're coming back in a few moments and we're going to be talking about the main topic of this roundtable, how do you write great content for your WordPress website? And hopefully the panel are going to have words of wisdom and Lee's going to come back with a better voice and it'll be great. We'll see you in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back um i thought apart from some of the last story which i apologize about but there we go um i thought we've had a great um discussion um on to the main topic who wants to start out with this how do you write great content for your word website and um i've been reading this book by carly gray the story engine um i've been uh, digging into that a little bit 
can't tell you if I like it or not so far because I'm about a fifth through it. I got it yesterday. Right. Well, I, I think the first thing to establish is, is there any difference between writing great content for your WordPress website and writing great content for any other website? <laughs> uh, I did ask, I did ask um, Carly to come on the show, but then I forgot. I got into a bit of a spat with... Um, with the founder of WP Curve about 18 months ago, we had a Twitter exchange that wasn't very pleasant. Uh, um, so you probably never will come off the show. Um, so there we go. Anybody else would, sorry, uh, anybody else want to jump in? Well, I think it's in answer to what Sally, the question Sally posed is I think the only real difference is how you, you know, make those content solutions happen in WordPress. You're going to do it one way and another, you know, system, you're going to do it another way. And can you go on any more? That, I'm, I mean, that that's really about it. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. a short was, show. Right. Uh, shall we wrap no, you no, up there? No, we can, say, we can say lots and lots about writing great web copy. Uh, but, you know, I just thought that it, it was important to kind of put that out there. Is it different for, you know, for WordPress than for, you know, Joomla or Drupal or, or one of these new flat file systems? Of or... course not, but it is a WordPress show. Well, yes. Apart from when so, we're discussing uh, right. cats. I think that, you know, this is the, basically the, you know, the difference you're likely to encounter is not so much writing it as posting it, you know, how how what does your editor interface look like and what fields are you putting things in and, and of course we know that's changing but we've talked about that part of it a lot so in terms of you know content writing because that is a, what your website has been built for is your content uh, yeah, the what i want to expand and the in this book it does cover it is that I think there's a lot more to this, you know, just writing the odd good article, you know, writing really great content is great. But I think if, there, if there's some um, game plan or some outcome that you want to get from writing that content, there has to be, um, there has to be structure, some um, idea, some plan of action would you agree with that, Chris? And can you give some of that, um, what you should be planning and that, and what some of the things that you've learned in promoting your own business? Absolutely. I think the most important first step is to know the audience. Mm -hmm. And there's different ways to know the audience. Um, one thing I do a lot of, which surprises some people, is I spend about four hours a week on the phone with prospective customers and existing customers just to hear, you know, help them when I can qualify them if they're a good fit for our product, if not refer them somewhere else. And I'm accessible, but I get just as much out of those calls as, you know, the people who are asking questions because I'm getting insight into my customer, my prospects mind. So talking to them either virtually or in person at conferences is that's the total ninja hack. It's to, you know, get out from behind the computer and uh, have a human to human conversation. Um, you can also just start. I, I like conversations around customer avatars and and figuring out what your ideal client or prospect or customer is like. But in my experience, it's more likely there are several different avatars. And uh, so I just I create a ton of content in written form, podcasts, videos. And I may be talking to someone who wants to, who's in the health and fitness area. Uh, I'm gonna create a completely different piece of content, but I'm only focusing on that type of person. Whereas I may be creating some content for a business or marketing person, and they're wanting to teach on those topics. It's a completely different type of content. And then when you understand who those people are in general, um, it's also really important to understand what problems they have. So what are they struggling with and what are their goals? What are they trying to move towards? And I can talk about those things very specifically about uh, my audience. And I encourage people, if you can't do that, you're just, you're, you haven't done the legwork. You haven't done the research content. For me, I never have a single problem coming up with an idea. I have an unlimited amount of content that I could create. So for me, it's more about prioritizing, well, what would create the most impact or who is there the most of that I can help? 
Uh, and that's, that's my issue. It's not what article or I don't know what I'm going to do in the next podcast episode because I'm so tuned into those problems and goals that people have. It, it's literally an unlimited bucket that I can draw from. So well, that, I, go yeah, ahead. I can see where you're coming from, Chris, but you know, you're running a, a business. You're there to be of service, you know, but you're also there to make money as well to feed your family and pay your pension and all the other things. Um, I get the, the impression from you, Chris, and from your other founder that you're not here. You just want to make, do really great stuff and have a great company and be your own bosses, you know, the same reasons why I like running my own business. So that's the impression I get from you and your t- and that's great. Um, but there's only so many, only so much bandwidth. So, is there any strategy around any discussion about what areas that you are gonna push through your content? Any, or or is it like what you seem to be indicating? You go v- with the feedback that you get from the audience, really. I'm listening to the audience, and I'm also probably one of the things I do the most of in terms of how to choose what kind of content is I'm looking for patterns. So if I get the same question a lot or I just observe people struggling with a particular thing or see a gap in the market that's totally unfilled, that people are talking about the problem related to that gap, um, that's it's just that pattern recognition is really key, and it cannot – it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It, it just has to take awareness and a little bit of time to do that. And if somebody's in the early stages of creating content and you want to like kind of flex these muscles we're talking about, one of my favorite exercises, if you have a WordPress agency or any kind of business online uh, to get into the content flow and looking at problems and looking for patterns is to think about your FAQs. These are just questions and answers. And I like to, I I got this advice. I can't remember where I first heard it, but when you, when I was creating an FAQ for my first WordPress agency, uh, the advice I got was take the 10 questions that you get asked the most and put those in the FAQ and then write, do the Q and A and then do the Q and A for 10 more that people aren't asking, but should be. Mm -hmm. And that's, that creates 20 pieces of content. You can create videos out of that. You can create blog posts out of that. And that's how you can start to tap into, you know, unlimited, that unlimited content supply by being aware of the problems you solve. Um, I've got this for Adam. Um, thanks for that, though, Chris. That was... Um... That, that's a terrific tip about what questions are people not asking that they should. Uh, oh, thanks. Um, Adam, um, I've, read, I've read HubSpot. I've read some articles recently saying that content marketing... Um, there was a particular article written about um, HubSpot and looked, because it's a publicly limited company, so it looked at the cost of requiring new clients through their content marketing strategy, and it was put in that the cost had become burdensome. It was just mm-hmm. too expensive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, reading this book, um, and I've been really delving into building up a strategy for 2018, when you're working with a client um, who's got an online business or wants to build up an existing online business that's really serious about getting a result from content marketing, what's your initial um, pitch to them and the things you try and point out to them about what it's going to take to have a realistic content strategy? Well, I do um, <clears throat> point out that it's going to be, if you're going to have someone else writing for you, it's going to be expensive. And, 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 it's not, and it's probably not going to be as good as if you wrote it yourself and had someone come in and edit that content or, or help you with that content. Um, you are the subject matter expert. The reason people are coming to you in the first place is because you're better at something than someone else. And that's really, you provide a lot of value from that standpoint. Um, but it's going to take time. And very few um, online business owners really do have, or any business owners for that matter, have that kind of time. You know, they're busy running a business or, or doing whatever it is that, you know, keeps money in the bank. And they, I, I make it very clear, you know, it's going to take time. We can do this for you. Um, you know, we will do our best to provide 
um, you know, the best quality content, but frankly, it works a lot better if we do it instead of, um, you know, having us just write it, if you write it, or at least let me do an interview with you. And then I, we can write something based on that. But I also make it clear that, you know, this is not like, um, this is not like AdWords where I can drop a bunch of money in and see an immediate rise in traffic. This is something that's a long-term strategy. It has to be paired with, you know, some sort of SEO strategy as well, the, you know, some sort of um, optimization strategy to, to really work well, unless you're just producing at this point, extraordinary pieces of content um, and you're just brilliant, you're, you're not going to randomly show up. You know, that's very hard to do. You have to know um, who your audience is and, and why you're targeting them. And, you know, that, that's critical to, for the content to work in the first place, like Chris said. But beyond that, um, it's going to take a lot of time researching the search situation to make sure that your content isn't in the social situation, to make sure that your content is going to have an impact at the right place at the right time and that you're not, you know, writing something that someone has had cornered on search for, you know, years that you're just, you know, wasting your time trying to write an article about, you know, but from the other side of it, um, you know, if you do have a niche audience and you know that, you know, what you can produce is going to be, even though you might not, blow it away on search the other ways that you're contacting your audience through various methods of distribution you're going that content will still be valuable to you and your business you can write it um just having being realistic about that but you know it, it takes a lot of time up front and I, I i try to make that really clear that no matter who's doing this you know this is a um you know something that you have to build up from from basically nothing and that it can it can take you know months years to really get some traction. But when you get that traction, it can be extremely valuable. I thought, thanks for that. I thought that was fantastic. But um, <coughs> sorry about that, folks. <laughs> um, it's going back to the, you know, I say, unfortunately, it's a shame I haven't had time to read the whole book, but I only got it yesterday. And, um, but I've been studying. And you've been the, at the dentist. Exactly. <laughs> and I've been, but I have been studying the subject quite extensively and does um does it help to have um writing style guides you know especially if you if you're going to have guest writers um adam can you um if you can provide a, a lot of um detail about the article you, you're looking for and you have a writing style guide mm -hmm. does that help adam absolutely um i mean it like, can you tell the audience what a writing style guide I the basics is it. adam it's like one of our most popular posts um as a style guide is just something that makes it clear to the writer from the beginning you know the voice of the article what what words are allowed what words aren't allowed um you know and, and it can go they can be really broad but it's the point of a style guide is to make sure that everyone is writing in a, such a way that it supports the brand and doesn't go off brand. Um, you know, so because you can get articles and the larger your company gets, if you're getting, you know, guest blog posts and stuff like that, this becomes a problem very quickly um, that you'll get someone who is a great writer and has written an excellent article for you, but it you know doesn't fit with the goals of the business and the goals um, and what your audience is looking for. And you can we've had plenty of excellent articles submitted to us where I say you know th this is great, but not for us. You know this is not going to fit for us. Um, you you're going to have to take this to someone else. And so it's good for um, you know when your website gets to a certain point, you start getting solicited by guest blog bloggers, and that can be helpful to have that for them um, and to, you know, maintain those relationships while maintaining the brand. You know, one thing that, that I was thinking while Chris was talking about audience was in not just the importance of your audience, but thinking about your, which you mentioned, Jonathan, that your business goals, you know, and making sure, and that the style guide helps to support that, you know, are in what um, are these things that we're writing? Do we make, how do we make sure our writers are not just writing stuff that's great? and that's going to fall into the content plan, but that the audience is looking for and that supports our business goals and helps us to get to where we want to go. So the, the style guide is really important from that. And, you know, it can be, it can be basically whatever you want. There's no real standards, but you can find tons of resources for it online. So Sandy, you know, you said you've been doing um, a lot more blogging lately, but do you do any kind of 
looking at the landscape of other people's content and a little bit of SEO research before you choose a subject to blog on? Almost everything I write about comes out of actual experiences with clients or maybe sometimes out of the meetup. So it, it does kind of go back to what Chris said about, you know, talking to the, the people who are your customers and, and finding out what the issue is with them. Um, I'm much less strategic about my own website than I would like to be, but uh, you know, I can definitely speak from experience about some of the things that Adam has been sharing uh, before I got in, even before I got into WordPress or really at about the same time, I was doing some uh, ghost blogging for a, a company that uh, also hired me to do some other contract work kind of more directly related to what they were uh, what they were talking about. And uh, yeah, it's like, you know, the, the thing that people need to know about content marketing is it's not a get rich quick scheme. And the thing that people need to know about hiring people to write for them is that it doesn't necessarily mean less work for you. <laughs> you know, it means you don't have to write, but you're going to have to take the time to, you know, educate the person who's writing for you in things like, you know, this is, what matters to our business. These are our goals. This is what we do. This is kind of the underlying um, essence that needs to go behind anything that you're writing. And then, you know, everything Adam was saying about the voice and tone and uh, general style. And so that, you know, even if a person is, is not writing, is not trying to write in your specific individual voice that they need to be writing in your kind of company's voice, which is the, the point of a style guide of, of any kind. I mean, there's sort of the editorial style guide that says, you know, here's the way we handle using or not using serial commas or, yeah. you know, all of those kinds of things. But there is definitely the style part of the style guide about, yeah, you know, what fits for us. So you have to do, a lot of prep work and maybe a lot of revision if you're hiring somebody else to write and to, to bear that in mind. And it can be really a difficult thing to do for a small business. It's, it's not like, oh, this, you know, we can just write stuff and it doesn't necessarily cost us money to do it. And so that's going to be a, a really, you know, easy way to, to do advertising. It's not easy. It's very hard to keep up with stuff. I, I well, teach WordPress it, yeah. and I would tell people the hard part of your website is creating content consistently you know it's well, not this technical stuff well, well i just want to make it clear to the folks um there's um i'll just quickly see if adam agrees after make this and then i'll go on to a question for specifically for chris is that um local seo when it comes to content um production is a very much more different animal than a online business that has a, a larger regional or national audience. Um, the requirements, I'm not saying that it's easy local because it, I just think it's a really totally different beast in some ways. What do you think about that, Adam? I agree completely. I mean, there, there's a huge difference. Between Adam, you can come on the show anytime you like, Adam. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is a completely different animal. And, you know, local is going to be your, you can have some impact, um, you know, fairly quickly, you know, on the local level, whereas, you know, and, you know, a lot of that just has to has to do with making the right contacts, even, you know, and, and some simple distribution with local, you know, power players. So no, I, I agree that with what you said, for sure. Um, Chris, so um, what has been the biggest return you feel for the brand and, you know, basically getting people to utilize your product when it has come to content production, you know, what have been some of the biggest winners that you've had? So when I talk to people who, you know, use Lyft LMS or want to use Lyft LMS and I ask the question, how did you hear about us? It's going to be one of two answers most of the time, which is, I saw you on a YouTube video or I heard you on a podcast. Um, so we have, I think we have over 300 videos on our YouTube channel. Uh, so video content is a big deal for us. Uh, I've been doing a lot with live lately, not some, but I plan on doing a lot more with live video and live streaming. 
content. Um, and then the podcast from a SEO perspective, I have a podcast called LMS cast and uh, you know, all those interviews and episodes were around 170 episodes. I think now they are all transcribed, which I talk with somebody for about 45 minutes about a topic relevant to course creators and membership site builders. And there's so much great content in there. I'm not necessarily the expert on everything. I'm, you know, representing my audience, picking the brains of these experts. All that gets transcribed. So that niche question that someone types into Google about some obscure part of building a membership site or an online course, they're going to find one of those podcast episodes and they enter the top of the marketing funnel, if you will. So the biggest return for us in terms of content has been video and podcasting uh, with the, you know, focus on text for the, uh, you know, SEO value and the transcription. How, um, how do you, because obviously the podcasts are fantastic. I do listen to um, Chris does a fantastic job. Um, he also got an English guy on a few episodes ago. And in few, I'm not sure I can recommend that because that guy waffled on a bit, but Chris was really good to him. Uh, um, but one thing I noticed about your podcast, obviously it's branded, but you, you deal with general marketing. You, you have a very broad selection of guests, a bit like myself. How have you had trouble um, persuading Google to see those articles and what you're the way that you want Google to see it? I haven't done a really professional SEO overhaul. I'm just doing general best practices. Right. Um, so I'm just going after long tail keyword phrases that people just naturally use in conversation and also as they you know t- type into search engines. Um, so I don't have a really scientific approach to that in terms of watching Google. I just actually did yesterday a podcast episode with an SEO expert about this exact topic. So we talk about this for about an hour. That episode will be out in about three weeks, a guy named John Darty. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not as I'm, I operate just generally in business because it's very chaotic startup you know, things are always changing, markets are shifting, all this stuff. I tend to operate more with what I call simple rules and strategies than like really detailed um, protocols. So just my simple rule is I'm making content every week. I'm syndicating that content to multiple places. It goes on the website, goes through social media, goes in the Facebook group. I do it live if I can. Um, And I'm focused like a laser on the needs of my audience and my customer, which is why I can, I can bring in a broad array of guests, but we're going to be talking about stuff that's relevant to course creators. So even though the, the, you know, the expertise is broad, how we focus that energy is very specific and targeted. And those are my simple rules. So are you hinting that I might go off topic actually, Chris? <laughs> not, <laughs> not I'm only playing here, Chris. I'm only, I'm only playing, Chris. Yeah. Um, Adam, so let's say you had a client that is, let's, let's take e-commerce. They've got a niche pro- products in a specific area of e-commerce and they want to get more traffic to their e-commerce website and they want to convert those into pain and they've been using paid adwords facebook adverts but they want to invest more money and time i know this is a very broad question um, but hopefully you go with it because you understand why i'm doing it um do you do you can you give any insight about the amount of content they're they're probably going to have to produce every month and you know, every six months, you got any kind of guy? I know it's a difficult question. I just put to no, you, but no, hopefully you can uh, see why I'm asking it. Sure. I mean, it is a difficult question. We get that a lot. How much should we produce? Um, and one thing I do want um, to just to back up a little bit to answer that question. Um, I think that it's important to talk about ongoing content versus static content. Um, you know, when you're writing content for a website and especially what, you know, in the, um, example you post an e-commerce website, those product descriptions are going to be really important. You know, um, the different pages on the website are going to be really important. Having those optimized 
um, is going to be important just to get that traffic up over time. And from another standpoint, if you're doing a lot of AdWords stuff, you have to make sure that whatever your AdWords are pointing to is matching up. You know, if your ads are using you know, certain keywords and then you're going in there, you know, clicking into a product and that product has nothing to do or very little to do with what that ad said, you know, that, that ad's not really going to perform for you. So have, making sure that static content is in place, the product descriptions, the about page, the home page, all that stuff, that's critical too. That forms a really solid base because, you know, you can produce all the content you want, but if the, the static content is, is garbage, you, you're going to have difficult, difficulty with conversions. You know, you're going to have high bounce rates, um, you know, because you have to, you, know, you don't want someone to come to your blog and find this excellent blog article and then say, oh, let me learn more about them and then find, you know, one sentence on the about page or something like that, you know. So, um, but in terms of how much you should be producing, I don't know. It's all over the place. It, I like to set minimums. You know, I would say, you know, try if you can to get at least one piece of something out a week. You know, I, I think that, you know, we have some clients where they want to do something every other month and it's just one piece of con and content can, you know, that can vary. It could be a podcast with a transcription. It could be a video. It could be a, you know, an ebook or, or, or even, you know, some simple PDF, but some piece of content that you can use to, you know, to fuel social media, to fuel email marketing, stuff like that. Um, a week, I think is, a, is great. Um, but I mean, there are places that produce two or three articles a day, uh, you know, and there are places that, you know, and to me that we could never do that, you know, and then there are places that um, they're only putting out something every two weeks, but it's so good, you know, and it's so extensive and it's so well researched that, you know, they, it, it's amazing they can get it out in two weeks. So I think you really have to temper that with, again, with what your audience expects, what your goals are. And, um, but, you know, you have to make sure that static content is there as the baseline in the first place and, and supports all of that. Here, here. Yeah, I'll feel, I'll feel I, I've encountered situations where the product descriptions hardly said anything about the product. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they, they were sort of charming and, and all that, but they, they didn't actually include, like, descriptive words about what this product is. Uh, or, you know, somebody who paid for a print ad, uh, people came to the site from the ad, the ad pointed to the homepage, there was no obvious link to the purchase page from the homepage. So they, they just never got there to buy it. So yeah, you know, make sure that you that you don't, uh, <clears throat> that you don't overlook the obvious. Mm -hmm. I also think distribution is important it is an area that i was i recently listened to an interview of noan kagan um on the art of paid traffic and i also got good news listeners um noah's agreed to come on wp tonic in the new year as a guest um which i'm very happy about but uh um but noah i've always admired noah's direct directive um, but get back to the topic. Um, basically, he was saying is so you've got to look, if you're a startup, if you're a company that hasn't got an enormous budget, you've got to look at new playgrounds to push your content on. You know, it's probably going to get too expensive, Facebook, Google AdWords. Mm -hmm. You've got to look at sponsoring podcasts or um, sponsoring events, online events, webinar events, or physical events and you got to maybe look at linked paid linkedin adverts you've got to look at different playgrounds what do the panel think about that i think that's completely true and you know if you know who your ideal customer is then you know you can find out something about where they hang out you know what their interests are and this is part of why it can be useful to advertise on a podcast uh i remember a podcaster back back in the olden days you know 10 years ago when podcasting everybody thought you were going to get rich from podcasting <laughs> uh there were some success stories with with ads because somebody had a, a really niche podcast about wine basically and they had wineries advertising on their podcast and the average value of somebody responding to their ad 
was about $1,000. So the fact that it wasn't a large group of listeners was not a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you can find uh, some kind of place like that uh, to market yourself, you're going to get a lot of return for it and you may not have to have a a huge outlay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you you know, you're not going to get lost in in the same way that, that you might just with the Google AdWords or an ad on a something very general. So, you know, the niche for your own business, you know, you need to kind of find out, okay, well, so these are my ideal customers, you know, kind of back to that, whether it's because you interview them personally or you've created personas, where else are they that I can find them? Mm-hmm. You know, funny enough, before I go to Adam, um, we seem to have lost Chris slightly audience. Um, <laughs> Maybe he just got too bored and he, he had enough of it. Uh, um, but what, what was the interesting on those interview on the art of paid traffic was that he was talking about his own podcast, which he's been spending a fair bit of time on. And he actually questioned the amount of hours that he was having to put into it for the, because he, he's obsessive about looking at the analytical data that supports every activity of what he does and what his um, companies do. Um, so he was questioning the amount of time uh, for the amount of audience that he was building up, which I found interesting as well. Um, the other thing uh, I wanted to discuss is, you know, you would, so Adam, can you, is there a hybrid to this? Can you actually get people to write content for you and then you edit here and you add your own stuff? Is that also a, a good way to go down? Oh, for a client? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it all depends on the client and what their needs are. You know, what are their needs when it comes to content and what, how much can they provide? You know, some people, and, and what are they comfortable with? You know, some people are not comfortable writing at all. They don't like it. They never liked it. They hate it. They can talk for hours, but they don't want to write anything. They, they're just not good at it and they don't enjoy it. And so, you know, from, from my side of the, um, the street, the, the best I can do to support their goals is to listen to them, you know, get it all out verbally. And then I can, you know, turn that into some sort of article for other, other people. They're very, um, you know, like, um, they have a, a tight grip on their, content they want to write it they are very it's very important that their voice is in there and that they write it to them um and you know they just need someone who can come in and and clean it up a bit and um you know make sure that it's going to work on on their website so i i think you can absolutely provide a, a wide range of of solutions for content it really depends on I, I, I've, you know, when you, when you go to build a website, most people don't, don't care one way or the other, but for whatever reason, and it's like, just make it, and, you know, but for whatever reason, when it comes to, um, when it comes to writing, everybody has something that they're comfortable with. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone feels it should be done a particular way. And even the ones who don't seem to care, they really do care because it represents them. It represents their brand. And it, and most of these are, you know, ghostwritten articles that are going to go out with their name on it. They want to make sure that it, it is representing them properly, which is smart. Oh, thanks for that. I've got one final um, proposition to put to the panel. Um, unfortunately, we lost Chris during, must have had a technical <laughs> problem. Um, another thing that's occurred to me, and I like both Sally and Adam's view on this, is that I think um, content marketing has changed quite dramatically. Well, it's probably was always there anyway, so I'll backtrack on that initial statement. But what I'm trying to get to is that I think educational content, mm-hmm. tra- you know, providing insight, training, um, is increasingly be- will has and will become a key um, business tool to make your products and services different to the competition. Um, and increasingly um, a strategy about producing content around training, tips, tricks, all the things around um, around a product and a service that makes you different to the competition will increasingly become more important. What does the panel think about that? I think it's absolutely true. Uh, and, you know, if you are in a position to do that, it's going to work very well for you. I remember um, 
there was an electrician who had all these YouTube videos about electricity and they were very funny. I mean, they, they, a lot of them had to do with like what things are dangerous and what you have to watch out for. And, and you know, they were, they were sort of short kind of both how-tos and, and, and warnings. And, you know, in a lot of ways, there is no better way to convince somebody to hire you than to tell them how to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it very clear that it's very difficult. <laughs> and in this guy's case, dangerous. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Electricity <laughs> is not for amateurs. No. But this was, you know, but this was a real distinction because, you know, you can look in the phone book or on Yelp or whatever and, and have no idea, you know, for, for things like that. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a local market, in any local market, they're going to be a lot of electricians, a lot of plumbers, a lot of, you know, and so finding something to make you stand out if you can do it, which is often tough for people in those businesses, because there's only a couple of them and they're out doing jobs all the time. Mm. Uh, it, it really is going to be a differentiator for you. Absolutely. Uh, I think in the local market, what you just said as well, but I also think I noticed that on my other business, there's a couple of players that have really um, linked software with actual, um, they make more money by people joining a training uh, membership linked with the software and the markup, the, you know, is enormous, but they're providing, not only providing the software, they're providing all the marketing um, insights on how you utilize that software to actually get the end result, which is more orders, more clients, more money, basically. What do you think of that, Adam? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, it's great. And I think that from the educational side, especially, you know, people, that forms a relationship. People appreciate being helped and being taught something. And, you know, educational content does just that. And it helps to form the relationship. And, you know, I think just as, just generally speaking, as human beings, we have a certain sense of a person who taught us something, you know, there's a certain, you know, um, you know, they, we, we trust, there's a trust that's built up, you know? So I think from that standpoint, producing the educational content is really important, but, you know, I think that um, the problem is there's a lot of content out there at this point. That's, that's really crap, you know, and it's garbage and it's not very, helpful. It doesn't really answer a question. And a lot of the ways that people are finding you are through questions. You know, they're, they're posing some sort of question to into Google and they're trying to find an answer. And if you can help that with them, not only have you, you know, started to build this relationship, but you've, you've also, um, you know, a lot of the times, like you said, made it clear that this is really difficult. This might be something you need me to help with. But even going beyond that, you know, if it, it makes it so that it gives you or your business sort of an end game. You don't want to be doing this forever. Nobody wants to be doing this forever. We would love to get, most people would love to get to the point where they're teaching someone else how to do it and establishing yourself and that authority in yourself as I'm not just someone who does this. Yes, I do this and it, and it makes money, but hopefully long term, I can get to a point where, you know, I'm teaching others how to do it. You know, I'm, I'm being helpful, which makes me feel good. But, you know, I'm also I'm not having to, you know, grind myself down, you know, year after year doing the work when I can when I've gotten so good at it that I can show others how to do it and and help them to, to get to the same success that I've got. So I think educational content that that kind of idea, you know, all that value being built into it. Um, it's expensive, but it's being done because most of us worked very hard to get this expertise that we have. And it, you know, there's some, some money needs to be paid for that. If you want to, you know, skip all the hard work we did. That's great. I think we wrap it up now. It's been a wild podcast, Tech, some slight technical <laughs> troubles, people coming in, disappearing, but that goes with the territory folks of a live podcast really um i'm gonna ask the, the those that are standing that have lasted um to um tell you how you can find more about them and i'm gonna start with sally how can people find out more about you sally you can find me at wpfangirl.com and if you can spell my name you can find me everywhere else because i am unique in google <laughs> certainly are and adam how can people find out about you and what you're up to and more about you in general Sure. Adam Fout, last name F-O-U-T, and 
mostly unique, although there's some guy in Ohio that has my last name and does a lot of trucking videos. So I guess you can follow him. Um, my website is adamfout.com, bluesteelsolutions.com. Extra E on the steel is where we're, most of my content is found and um, at Blue Steel TX. Oh, thanks for that, Adam. And if you want to get hold of me, folks, um, which I hope you will do, because if you've got any comments, suggestions about guests, topics you would like us to, to discuss, that would be fantastic. Best to get me on Twitter, at Jonathan Denwood. Um, email us, uh, Jonathan at WP-Tonic.com, or post on the Facebook page um, or the YouTube channel, they're the main four areas that um, any suggestions and comments are most welcome. And if you're really generous, we've had some people do this lately, which is great, is leave a... Um, a um, I've just lost my track, folks. I'm sorry. Leave review, a review on iTunes. A re- yeah, a review on iTunes. Thank you, Sally. Leave a review on iTunes, and that really helps the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation this week. I have. I think it's been fantastic. And we'll see you next Friday at 8 30 pacific standard time in the morning next week bye folks bye bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week